It's time for another edition of Training Camp Two-A-Days. As your boy Q takes a look at every team on the Raiders' 2022 regular season schedule, here on Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. And it is time to continue with our training camp two-a-days. We talked all things Denver Broncos in the first hour of the show, and now we're going to turn our attention to the Houston Texans, who will be playing here in Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium, and that will be week seven after the following their bye week. And uh, to help us break down the Houston Texans and talk all things NFL is our good friend John McClain, formerly the Houston Chronicle, and he's proudly retired right now but still joins us on the weekly. And, John, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. How about those new Texans helmets, those uh, look Texas Tech-like, those uh, bright red New Houston, uh, Texas, jer- uh, not jerseys, but helmets. What do you think about those? Well, first of all, thank God I thought you were going to tell me I should make sure Lester Hayes gets in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> um, I think those helmets look great. They'll wear them first day of camp. They'll wear them for a game against Philadelphia when they wear their red uniforms, which is red jersey and, and white pants. And by the way, I'm not proudly retired. I'm not, for somebody who's retired, <laughs> and my other, my Nash, my uh, Knoxville, Tennessee station just said I'm the hardest working retired person yep. I've ever seen, considering I'm still on the radio ten times a week in six cities, and uh, I just haven't written since the draft, and I kind of like it, as you know, <laughs> as you know, Q. Getting paid to talk about sports is like stealing, and mm-hmm. every day we should be arrested when we leave the studio for stealing. As far as the Texans this season, you know, I saw a report that they're interested in Jimmy Garoppolo. Give me a break. People that think that don't have a clue about Davis Mills. I looked this up because I'm doing the 49ers flagship this week to dispute this report. In Garoppolo's last four games last season, he had five touchdowns, four interceptions, ten sacks. Mills, eight touchdowns, two interceptions, seven sacks. With no running game, no wide receiver except Brandon Cooks, terrible offensive line, no running game, and a defense not nearly as good as the 49ers. People just have a hard time believing, Q, that the Texans are going to have Davis Mills as their starter. Why would they not? They're not going to the playoffs. No, you're right. And I'll tell you, if Seattle is comfortable with Drew Locke and Geno Smith, why can't the Texans be comfortable with Davis Mills? Right? I mean, I, I at least at least he's still young, <laughs> you know? Well, the difference in Seattle, and I'm still bamboozled that the Seahawks were never interested in Mayfield, but Seattle, uh, one of my earlier shows, they're content to be one of the worst teams in the league. No, they're not going to be one of the worst teams in the league, and here's why. They have Metcalf and Lockett at wide receiver. They have Noah Fan at tight end. All those guys are terrific at their positions. They have they uh, have uh, uh, Rashard Penny, who over the last five or six games is second leading rusher behind Jonathan Taylor. And then they draft Kenneth Walker the third from Michigan State, who was first or second among the running backs. And then they also drafted Charles Cross, a left tackle plus. Another offensive tackle, I think, in the third or fourth round. So they have been get, they are loaded with every skill position except one. <laughs> now maybe Q, maybe Geno Smith is going to be like Kurt Warner, and everybody's like, who, what, why in the world? <laughs> I would bet against it, and that's why I just talk about Garoppolo. But thing is, would you trade your quarterback within a division? 
And who's going to trade for Garoppolo? The guy's coming off major surgery on his throwing arm. So right. I'd want to see him play in preseason. I'd want film of him from joint practices. I think the 49ers would be wise. Hang on to him. Let him play a little bit in preseason. And then when a quarterback goes down for a playoff team, then trade him. I agree. I've been saying that for a while that I thought that was the best spot for him for at least now. And he has a large salary as well for this year. And so I don't see a, a lot of teams trying to trade for that, and especially within the division there with Seattle. But that still makes me scratch my head. I, I just I can't see Drew Locke or Geno Smith being the guy as the quarterback. No, nobody <laughs> can. And Drew Locke's not. Right. Geno Smith is number one. And the thing about Garoppolo, he's going to have to do like Baker Mayfield. If somebody does want him, he's going to have to redo that contract and take a huge pay cut with a lot of bonuses based on how much he plays and what the team's accomplishments are. Right. No doubt about it. Again, we're talking with John McClain here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. And as we do these training camp two-a-days, John, we like to get a positive and negative and the big question about the certain teams. So what would you say is the big positive for the Houston Texans going into camp? They do have a few good players, Brandon Cooks, wide receiver, left tackle, uh, Laramie Tunsil, they've got a good pass rusher, Jonathan Grenard. Their secondary is going to have two rookies, cornerback Derek Stingley, safety Jalen Petrie, and they need Damian Pierce, fourth-round pick from Florida, to improve the worst running game in the NFL and the worst in franchise history. And so the strength to me would be they do have some young talent. They have a quarterback, Davis Mills, who looked really good over the last five games of last season and is getting a chance to prove he can be the guy. If he can't, then they'll go back into the quarterback market in the next draft, which is going to be outstanding. And right now, Q, they have 11 picks and two number ones counting Cleveland. So they're pulling really hard for Deshaun Watson to be suspended as much as possible. So Jacoby Brissett will be the quarterback. So, And the worst thing is their running game. Not only was it not only was it the worst in the league, 31st year before, it was the worst in team history. Their leading rusher was Rex Burkhead, who should be a third back, and he had the fewest yards rushing of any team leader in team history. That's how bad their running game was. Wow. Ooh, well, we're going to skip past the negative right there because that's got to <laughs> be I think that says it, right? <laughs> All right, John. So what's the biggest question mark for this Texans team heading into training camp? Most people would say Davis Mills. I saw enough of him down the stretch last year. Say, so of course, he's a big question mark. But he played really well with no running game. And he had one wide receiver. He didn't have a tight end. His offensive line was terrible. And the defense was terrible. And so uh, if you give him a running game and help control the ball, provide some balance, or teams don't just tee off on Davis Mills, that's the way they can help him the most. So I think it's a running game that averaged the fewest yards per carry. It had the the most, let's see, the stat is uh, when you get hit, when the backs get hit in the backfield, say for a three-yard loss before they get to the line of scrimmage, 
they were worse than that stat too. When it came to the run, it's amazing they could even run onto the practice field. They were so bad, and they've done a lot to address it. That has to be their biggest weakness. John, uh, last season, David Culley was the head coach of the, the Houston Texans. This year, it's Lovey Smith, and Lovey Smith, obviously, longtime head coach in the league. He's got the skins on the wall already. Uh, how do you see him putting his thumbprint on this Texans team? He's still going to call the defense. I think after a season, he will turn it over to somebody else, maybe his son, Miles, who's in his second year as the linebacker's coach. And Pep Hamilton calls the plays for the offense. Lovey and Pep have been together three times in their careers, so they know each other real well. Lovey will let him run the offense. Lovey, it's the third time he's been a head coach in the NFL. Mm -hmm. He's the first black guy who's been a head coach three times, and he knows that that is something that he's carrying a mantle for a lot of minorities, and he wants to do well, says he has unfinished business. Nick Casario is loaded up with draft choices. Next year, Q, they're going to have over $100 million under the cap because Casario has done a good job of getting it fixed. So I think I really believe this time next year, if Davis Mills is still the starter, means they've made the right decision. And with all those draft choices plus – uh, free agents, big name free agents, expensive free agents for the first time here in years that we might be talking about them as a eight or nine win team a year from now instead of four, five, or six win team. Talk, talking all things uh, Houston Texans right now with John McClain, uh, formerly of the Houston Chronicle here on NSA Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. Final question about the Texans. How pumped up are the fan base uh, when it comes to this year coming into training camp? Because I know they weren't fired up last year dealing with all the issues with Deshaun Watson. Boy, that one last year was just a tumultuous season. It started, you know, it went on and on and on. It started with his trade demand the week after the 2020 season ended. Then a month later, the first of the civil lawsuits accusing him of sexual assault and misconduct. And so people now are hoping that they can focus on football. People like Lovey Smith. Lovey's a veteran. He calmed the waters here that were turbulent. Now, they may be bad. They may win four or five games. And I tell people, look, if you're going to be bad, be all the way bad. Get higher <laughs> draft choices. What does it matter if you win seven if you're not going to be a playoff contender? Go ahead and win three or four and get higher picks, especially when you got two of them. So I think people are very understanding and sympathetic and patient. People have a hard time remembering this team has only been bad two, two seasons in a row. In 2000, in 2000, in January of 2020, they beat Buffalo in a wild card game and lost that blew a 24 point lead at Kansas City in the divisional round. And they've gone straight down the toilet, but it's been two bad seasons and it might be one more, but people do see a team that is improving and they have a lot of confidence in Nick Casario, the general manager who, uh, Josh McDaniels and David Ziegler go way back with, especially McDaniels who played with Nick in college, quarterback and receiver. All right, John. Baker Mayfield, he had his introductory press conference <laughs> from his home today for the Carolina Panthers. And one of his first answers, he says, there's no animosity with anybody in Cleveland, yada, yada, yada. You've been in the game for a while. <laughs> You've been covering it for a while. Is that BS that there's no animosity from a team that basically said hit the bricks? and said things about him behind his back and leaked things to the media about his personality and how he wasn't respected by his teammates. If he'd have been Pinocchio, and if listeners don't know who Pinocchio was, 
Google him, his nose would have been growing probably from Charlotte to Asheville. And, <laughs> of course, he hates the Browns. Of course, he wants to be the starter in that first game in Charlotte. And think about how bad he wants to beat the Browns. Mm-hmm. Not so much by the players, but they thought that the team did a lot of things to make him look bad. One of the things I hate comes from gutless cowards. When a guy's gone, then stories start leaking out anonymously from people ripping them, which we've seen this week from Mayfield. To me, if you don't have the guts to say it while he's there, just shut your yap and let the guy go in peace. But, you know, there's going to be a lot of big games, but think of the hype for that game. Mayfield and the Panthers hosting the Browns. And Jacoby Brissett. Right, exactly. How how good are the NFL schedulers? They got that game week one. They also have Russell Wilson and the Broncos going up against Seattle Monday Night Football week one. Well, you know that they check on those things. Mm-hmm. And they said that uh, they had these terms worked out a long time ago. It was just a matter of how much of a pay cut Mayfield would take. they given him a chance to make it back up in incentives. and And you knew that was going to get worked out. So having them play there, the only thing but better is if it had been in Cleveland, he could have gone back and had 70,000 fans jeering him back <laughs> to his house. Right. You know, the thing is, uh, are they going to do those progressive commercials in Charlotte? It's his house, and the owner wants a new one. Maybe he could have part of it collapsing on Baker. Are they going to put <laughs> – you know they're not going to make it to Sean Watson's house. No. So I, I thought top to bottom Mayfield was great in the commercials – and he was really good for two of his four seasons when he was healthy. Right. How do you think he's going to do with Carolina now that, you know, he's got the final year on his deal? You always say that guys play better in a contract year, and I think that not only him, but Matt Rule are in contract years. Matt Rule's got, no, he's got like four more years left, but he's on the hot seat. But he's got to, yeah, but he's got to win. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and uh, I have to say this about Mayfield. He's motivated. He's motivated by money. And he's motivated by revenge, and that can be a gruesome twosome when it comes to performance and results. Right, I agree. I think it's going to be very interesting to see how he leads the Carolina Panthers because there's no reason to think that Sam Darnold, in my opinion, is going to be the starter there in Carolina. Baker Mayfield, they didn't make the move to have him sit on the bench, so uh, I see that happening. Now, John, before we let you go, uh, you mentioned Lester Hayes. I got, I got to ask you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you to, to get him into the hall, but I'm just asking since we found out last week that uh, him and Amy Trask are both semifinalists, one as a contributor, one as a senior. What's the next step? What has to happen next for Lester? Uh, the contributor coach committee votes to narrow the list to 12 and deadlines the end of July. And there can be some ties, might be 15 or 16. I'm on the seniors committee, the same thing. I'll say this about Amy Trask. Amy was a trailblazer and she also was kind of like Al Davis's, uh, power broker. He wanted something done. She was like a leg breaker, an arm, elbow twister. <laughs> Amy, I, Amy could be really tough, but she was smart, and she always did everything that was best for Al. And I'd love to see her get in there as a contributor. I don't know if she will this year, but I think she will at some point. And I'll ask you this: Which one of these players deserves to be in the in the uh, uh, Hall of Fame the most? Okay, let's say one cornerback here played 12 years with the same team. He uh, he was in six Pro Bowls, first team All-Pro twice, all decade, and he still leads the team 
with interception and it was 46 interceptions, even though he retired in 1970. And then the other, of course, is Lester Hayes, and Lester played 10 years with the Raiders, and he was a terrific quarterback, and he was in five Pro Bowls. The first one was Eddie Metter of the Rams, who I think has been shortchanged for years. Think about that. Still the Rams' all-time right. leading receiver, all-time leader in interceptions, 12 years, all decades, six Pro Bowls, two first-team All-Pros. Yeah, I gotta. I understand where you're going with that one. <laughs> I understand those those kind of numbers are huge numbers. Uh, I would love to see Lester get in. I love what he was able to do. Like just getting to know him as a, I've gotten to know him over the years. But uh, yeah, those those kind of numbers say all that you that you have to say right there. I mean, numbers talk, right? That's the name of the well, game. The good, the good thing, you is this year we're putting three seniors in. Nice. We we changed the bylaws. We did the Hall of Fame did that allowed us to do three seniors for at least the next four years, then we'll revisit that bylaw because there's like 50 of them that were on their all-decade teams who've never even been finalists where we could discuss them. Nice. I like it. Well, there you go. Uh, that's a positive right there. That's a great way to, to close things out right there on a good positive uh, from John McClain. John, fantastic stuff, my man. I always love getting your insight. It's great to talk to you each and every week. We definitely appreciate you. Look forward to next week. Kieran DeMond, thank you guys very much as always. Hope you have a great rest of the week. Absolutely. There he goes. John McClain, formerly of the Houston Chronicle, joins us each and every Tuesday talking all things NFL. We did our training camp two-a-day with them as well as we were talking Houston Texans as they will be headed to Vegas week seven of the 2022 NFL season. And uh, he, he, he made me a little nervous right there when he started dropping those, those numbers, you know, those stats. And I was kind of like, well, can't really argue against them, right? And then that's because I thought that there was only going to be one senior that was going to be added, and he said there's going to be three. So I feel really good about Lester's chances now. And also what he mentioned there, you never think about the players that are so far back in the past Mm -hmm. that these guys, like you said, never got their fair shake either, even though they were on the Hall of Fame team for their decades. And it's like, oh, man, there there are so many people deserving to be in the Hall of Fame that still aren't in yet. Right. Every fan base has a gripe. I mean, they really do. There's so many out there. But uh, those are some those are some numbers right there. I mean, and he's and the the, the defensive back that he was talking about, 46 career interceptions, which is still a, a Rams franchise record is pretty big. That is that is that's saying something right there. Yeah, and then you got to think when the team moved to St. Louis, no one's still been able to break that because that goes to the longevity. Longevity, exactly, and and playing with one team, right? I mean, it's, look at all the the moving and shaking that's going on now. Guys just don't stick with one team. So I thought that was that was a hell of a stat right there. But uh, I think it was a good bailout when he said that there was there's going to be three seniors added. So I feel pretty good and confident about uh, Lester's chances now that he said three. If, if it was only one. I was going to say, damn, <laughs> there you go. I guess it's going to have to wait another year for Lester, but it sounds like there could be a chance he could get in in 2023. 319 is the time. We'll come back, take your calls and text. This is Red Nation Radio 920. That was another edition of Training Camp Two-A-Days on Raider Nation Radio 920. You know, anytime you get to put the pads on, you know, for the first time, you know, it's live fire. It's it's always a great time. Obviously, it, it's going to be a special one. It's going to be a home game and, and playing against a former team. Um, you know, a similar situation of what I've gone through in the past when transferring from college to college. So, uh, got to handle it the best way possible. And you know, my job is to put our team in the best position to win. And however I can help do that, that's, that's what I'm going to do. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. 
Baker Mayfield talking to the local media there in Charlotte. He was on a Zoom call, and you hear him talking about that first game of the season going up against the Cleveland Browns. That should be a fun one to be able to pay attention to and watch, just like that Seattle Seahawks and and, uh, and Denver Bronco game is going to be that Monday night football game week one. The NFL schedulers got it right, no doubt about it. This is Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Had a very busy show so far. Denzel Perryman has joined us. He joined us to start the show right at 2 o'clock. Brandon Cristal from uh, KOA Radio in Denver. He joined us at 2.30 as we did our training camp two-a-days talking all things Broncos. We just heard from John McClain from the Houston Chronicle talking all things Texans and talking NFL and gave us a little bit of behind the scenes when it came to Pro Football Hall of Fame voting and uh, Lester Hayes and Amy Trask and was basically saying that Amy Trask was Al Davis's uh, right-hand woman. She was the hit woman. (laughs) She was the one, he said, uh, she was the one that went out and broke the arms. You know, she got everything done. And so she's a a semifinalist as far as the Hall of Fame goes on the contributors list. And Lester Hayes is a semifinalist on the seniors list and got me really nervous when he was talking about and giving me the stats for one big-time cornerback that is still, uh, you know, he's on the semifinalist, semifinalist list as well. But I thought that basically he was telling me that Lester's not going to get in due to uh, this other cornerback, but then he told us that uh, there's going to be three seniors that get in. So I feel a lot better about Lester Hayes's options and an opportunity to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame coming up in 2023. But uh, have a lot of texts that I want to get to on the Salmon Ash text line at six nine one eight seven keyword R and R. We started off the show with the topic of what job in sports would you like to do? It just one time, maybe a couple times, whatever, just to feel what it tastes like. Like Richard Jefferson, he was a, an official at a summer league game for one quarter, not a whole game, just a quarter last night at the Thomas and Mack Center just to get a taste of what it's like to be on the other side. Instead of being the player, he was the official. And he went out there and he screwed it up at first. You know, he did, but he got a little bit better at it and kind of felt like what it's un, you know how it feels to be under the fire to be that official. So uh, w- one of the jobs that I thought about was being an offensive coordinator and the play caller. Being the guy that everyone's looking at, all right, Q, you got to get that play in. Hey, man, it's third and eight. Get that right call. What's the right call? What, what's, what's D.C. going to do? What, what play are they going to run? How are you going to score in the, end, uh, in the red zone? You know, how, how do you increase that? What are you going to do? I kind of would like to do that for a drive. I mean, I really selfishly like to do it for a quarter, maybe even a game, but I think they'd fire me. They'd take my headset away after after one drive. I just think that's how it is. How long would it take you for the prep, though, for this one drive of oh, you learning my goodness. the playbook? Oh, my goodness, man. Uh, that would be that would be like weeks. I'd have to do prep for weeks. I mean, really, just seriously. Like, you have to go through every scenario in your head. You know what I mean? Like, down and distance, uh, game situation. E- I mean, everything. You know what I mean? You just you can't just go out there and, here you go, here's your play sheet. Uh, kickoffs in an hour. <laughs> Good luck, sucker. You know, like that's not <laughs> that's not gonna work. So I'm telling you, uh, especially knowing me, man, I'd have to have prep on top of prep on top of prep. But thought that was a kind of fun question to throw out there. We've got a lot of great answers, uh, especially on the Salmon Ash text line at six nine one eight seven keyword R and R. And we had let's see. Sir Whiskey Ray, Q&D, the position that I'd love to be in and have the opportunity to shine would be the GM and going back and forth with the owner on first-round picks in the draft. I think having the opportunity and the amount of stress with the other front office would be actually a thrill, just my opinion. That's from Sir Whiskey Ray, and that's similar to what DeMond was saying. He was saying that he wouldn't mind being a, a, a guy, a scout, that was responsible for, like, the sixth-round pick. You know, he didn't want the responsibilities of that first-round pick, but, you know, maybe a fourth-round pick, fifth-round pick, something like that, uh, just so you, you can get the taste of what it's like to be in that room. And, and be responsible for that draft pick. I think that that would be a, a pretty cool one as well. Got one more here from Big Dub Raider. He said, Q, 
A spot that is out of my element would be a Major League Baseball umpire. I've umped a Little League game, low-level game before, and I and I criticize MLB umps like crazy, but uh, that would be a tough one. That's from Big Dub Raider. He says, go Raiders. And, yeah, being an MLB umpire, I remember I did that too one time. I was an umpire at a Little League game, and I remember they just threw me in the fire. They're like, hey, we need an ump for this game. And I was like, all right, how much does it pay? It was like 10 bucks. I was like, all right, that's cool. I'll do it. <laughs> I remember the first time I said strike, and it should have been a ball there. Like, what in the hell was that? I was like, hey, take it easy. He's like eighth graders. <laughs> like, what are we yelling at me for? I don't know. It's not my job. I'm just standing back here trying to get 10 bucks. Get brother a break. <laughs> so you can hit us up on the Sam and Ash text line at 69187, keyword r Let us know what that one job, just to be in that spot for a minute, you know, just like Richard Jefferson did last night at Summer League as he was a referee and official for one quarter. Now let's go ahead and jump into our next training camp two-a-days. It's time for another edition of Training Camp Two-A-Days. As your boy Q takes a look at every team on the Raiders' 2022 regular season schedule here on Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. And the next team that we talk about in our Training Camp Two-A-Days is a team that all of Raider Nation is very familiar with, and that's, of course, the Kansas City Chiefs. And to help us do that is our good friend Rob Collins from Fox 4 and KC at RCF or RC Fox 4 kc on Twitter. Appreciate Rob as always. And Rob, before before we get into training camp two-a-days, is there a job out there that you'd like to do that's on the sports side of things that's, you know, get you out your element just to see what it's like one time? I was listening to you talking about being an umpire, and I'll tell you this. I used to coach my son's uh, baseball team. It was coach pitch, so I was pitching plus calling balls and strikes. They'd have an umpire. Man, I called my son out once on the third strike, and let me tell you, when I got home, my wife was pissed. I was like, you should have swung. It's close. You had two strikes. Protect the plate. She's like, you can't do that to your own son. I'm like, you've got to learn somehow. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I wasn't happy. No, I could, I could only imagine. You know, it's funny that you said that. I was, I was pitching to my son one time, and I struck him out, and he got so angry, and he, he walked back to the dugout, and he was so mad. The next time he came up to bat, he hit the very first pitch right up the middle, and I had to duck, or else it would have drilled me in the face. And he just got to first base and started laughing like, <laughs> like he knew what he was doing. I was like, are you serious here? <laughs> yeah, a little chin music, man. Yeah. A little chin music, WWE style, right? Right, exactly. That's exactly what that was. So, uh, yeah, I can only imagine how you felt after having to call out your kid and getting home <laughs> and the wife not being too happy with you at all. But, Rob, we wanted to get you on to talk all things Kansas City Chiefs. We're doing our little training camp two-a-days. And before we get into the questions, we always ask a positive, a negative, and then a big question. But before we get to any of that, what is, the, what is the feeling like? What is the temperature of the fan base, knowing that this is going to be a new season and a new look, a different little look for the Kansas City Chiefs without having Tyreek Hill on the outside? Yeah, I think folks here in Chiefs Kingdom are fired up. Obviously, Tyreek Hill's done. That's a big part of your offense, especially to extend the field. But the guys that got back in return, MVS, Juju Smith-Schuster in the draft, you got Sky Moore, you got Justin Ross, a lot of positives there, a lot of excitement there for these guys. And, and a lot of folks here think the defense – it's going to be a lot better. The linebacking core is going to be great this year, and everybody's all fired up about the linebacking core. Nick Bolton moving to the mic as well. And then you got Justin Reed coming over, and then the draft pick, George Karloftis. Everybody's all over George Karloftis, the, uh, the Greek freak, as Coach Reed called him. So there's excitement here for Chiefs Kingdom. Of course, you know you're coming off another AFC title win. you got Patrick Mahomes. You're expected to win the division. So I think everybody's really excited about it. But there are a few questions, as you mentioned, and that's why training camp 
It's going to be so interesting to see kind of how these pieces fall together. Yeah, no doubt about it. And the AFC West obviously is going to be a, a dogfight this year. I mean, every team in the division looks very, very talented. Would you think that this would, if, if there's any shot at any team in the division this year uh, winning the division, would it, would it be this year based off all the talent that you're seeing top to bottom? I would think so, considering the Chiefs have one of the hardest schedules. I mean, you look down the street there with the lines for the over and under, three teams, the Chiefs, Chargers, and Denver, all at 10.5 wins. So that should tell you something. I think that's a little inflated for Denver. I don't think they're going to get there. But the Chiefs and Chargers, I think they could definitely get to that 11-12 mark. And the Raiders, we talked about this before. Last time when I was on the golf course, I love the over 8.5 for the Raiders this year. Talking right now with Rob Collins, talking all things Kansas City Chiefs as we go through our training camp two-a-days. So let's go ahead and get into the training camp two-a-days. As I mentioned, we'll, we'll ask for a positive, we'll look for a negative, and we'll also uh, ask you a big question. So what would you say the biggest positive is for the Kansas City Chiefs headed into camp? Obviously, it's Patrick Mahomes, right? The, the biggest positive in the NFL. He's coming off a season, another great season, and they're coming back hungry because they really have that in their crawl, what happened against them in the Bengals game in the second half when they just kind of fell apart and, and blew that game. So Patrick Mahomes is always the positive, right? Right. No, no no doubt about that. So with that being said, what would you say is the biggest negative? Well, the negative right now that everybody's watching this week because of the franchise tag deadline, and maybe not so much a negative, just uh, something up in the air, but Orlando Brown Jr., what is his future with the Chiefs? Is he going to sign that tag? He hasn't signed it yet, played for $16.6 million bucks. Or is he going to try to hold out for a Trent Williams money and get a long-term deal for $22, $23 million bucks? And, you know, people here understand he's not the best offensive tackle in the world, and he wants to get paid like that. So people are still here a little bit on the fence about the Orlando Brown situation. Yeah, Rob, so what's the biggest question for this Kansas City Chiefs team? I, I would imagine how the offense is going to run without Tyreek Hill. I mean, you have a lot more options this year, right? You're not going to really get the defensively scheme against one guy that's trying to take everybody deep. I mean, to put it in your terms, it's like playing Texas Hold'em. The Chiefs have a lot more outs right now with MBS and Juju and Sky Moore and McColl and Justin Austin, if anybody else steps up there. If they have a lot more outs, maybe harder to defend. Obviously, if Travis Kelsey's still there. And I know you heard what he said at the golf tournament in Tahoe about yeah. Raider fans. He said he loves them. He loves seeing him because he knows he's getting a dub in 200 yards. So <laughs> it may be tougher for defensive coordinators to scheme against the Chiefs. It might be. And, uh, of course, uh, all the Raider Nation saw that. And, of course, Travis Kelsey likes to talk a lot of trash. And you can't be mad at that at all, <laughs> right? I mean, you can't be mad when you're a great player like that. You can't be mad. Uh, I expect Darren Waller to go out there and talk trash. Devontae Adams, I mean, hell, if you're great, go out there and be great, right? Why not? I I'm not mad at that at all. Again, we're talking with no. Rob Co Collins from Fox 4 KC here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Again, doing a little training camp two a day. So let me ask you this about Andy Reid. What makes him tick? What makes him go? I mean, he's, he's the guy that everyone looks at as the best coach in the AFC West. I wouldn't argue with that at all. But just kind of what, what, what is it about him that makes him go? He's just relentless in working. I mean, we've seen stories on him getting to the training camp or to the practice facility before the sun comes up. He's just relentless in preparation. And I think that's the key that he's been so good coming off bye weeks and also so good against the AFC West in his tenure here in Kansas City. You know, I, I feel like sometimes he's like at a restaurant here having some barbecue and a plate comes in his head and he gets a napkin from the waiter and <laughs> writes down a play or something. Like he's always in it, kind of like those uh, head and shoulders commercials. He's never not working. <laughs> That's the deal with Andy Reid. And, and he's got so much 
uh, intelligence, and he's got so much uh, things that he can do with Patrick Mahomes in this offense, man. I, I don't know. I saw Mahomes catch a pass in that golf tournament. This may be the year he goes out and gets one. <laughs> yeah, Rob, when it comes to what the Chiefs have lost in this offseason, I don't think a bigger deal has been made about losing Tyron Matthew. So what are the Chiefs going to do to replace him and his impact that he made on this team? Yeah, Justin Reed coming over from Houston. He's, to me, in my eyes, from what I've seen so far and what we've heard from him so far, he seems like Tyron Matthew, a protege. He's a little younger and he's a little bigger, and he likes to hit a little bit more. I mean, I'm never going to question anybody's toughness in the NFL because they're in the NFL, but we saw some business decisions last year, and you've seen them as well. Justin Reed ain't making a business decision, man. He's lowering the boom when he comes in there, and so are some other guys on defense. So I think this defense is going to be a little bit more physical than they have been in years past, especially with that linebacking crew that we talked about earlier, Willie Gay and Snead and and then you got Nick Bolton up there and then of course Karloftis on the end. So I think these guys are going to look actively to hit people this year. Do you think this may be a year where you see a little bit more uh effort to get the run game involved? Yeah, probably so with Ronald Jones coming over. It's going to be interesting to watch that battle between CEH and Ronald Jones to see who emerges as the number one guy or the guy in key situations. Uh, We know Rojo is going to be probably a little bit better than CEH in the red zone when it comes to the money time there. And if both of those guys can stay healthy, that's a heck of a one-two punch for Andy Reid. And to get that running game going, like you mentioned, will make it harder on defenses to scheme four or five guys that are going out, especially those bigger guys. I mean, they're juju. And MVS, they're bigger, bigger over the middle, and that's good for the Chiefs. Right, absolutely. You're talking right now with Rob Collins from Fox 4 KC here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So one other question that I definitely wanted to ask you while we were doing our training camp two-a-days is about an up-and-coming guy, someone that we might not be talking about right now, but the end of training camp comes around, the end of preseason comes around, we're talking about him. Is there a guy on your radar right now? Yeah, I got one guy on offense for you. That's Justin Ross. We saw his pedigree, Mm. man. If he can stay healthy... That could be a steal in the draft right there. And then on defense, Leo Chanel, linebacker. That dude brings it, man. I'm yeah. interested to watch him when he gets out there with the guys. You know, obviously, we'll put pads on a lot. But when they get the pads on, when they start popping, that's what I want to see him do. So he may be a little sweeper on defense because they can use him different situations. Yeah, no, he was a guy that a lot of Raider Nation was hoping that the Raiders would select and, and hope he'd be around when the Raiders had an option, an opportunity to to uh, select a guy in the draft. And then Ross, man, he was a hell of a player at Clemson and just tore himself yep. up, you know, was injured, like you said, banged up quite a bit. When did the Chiefs get him? In the seventh round or was he undrafted? I believe he was undrafted, if I wow. remember right. Uh, but I think you're that right. That would be a, a, a steal in the draft. If he makes it and sticks and stays healthy, that could be a steal for the Chiefs. And, yeah. you know, everyone around the NFL is like, come on, man. The Chiefs have more wide receivers. They have more offensive firepower. This guy could provide it if he stays healthy because you know if he's healthy, Andy Reid's going to get him the ball. Right, exactly. And, look, I never root for a guy to not be healthy. And so uh, knowing what he was able to do in college and what he was able to do at Clemson and the talent that he had, even as a freshman, as a true freshman, he was out there balling. I, I, I really do pull for that young man just to just to stay healthy and go out there and, and find his, uh, his role, whether it's with the Chiefs or anyone else, just happy that he's getting an opportunity. So you're right. That could be a big-time steal if, uh, if he turns into something uh, for Kansas City. And, of course, they would be the team to have him fall right into their lap, right? So. That would be yeah. <laughs> that would be uh that'd be something. Well, uh Rob, it's been great, man. We definitely appreciate catching up with you as always. You got anything coming out that we need to be on the lookout, maybe to give us a little bit more of an update on the Chiefs before training camp gets going? 
Yeah, man, 10 days. Rookies and quarterbacks report for the Chiefs. We'll be uh, up the road to peace in St. Joe, sweating it out like you guys will as well. <laughs> so, uh, It'll be fun, man. It's good talking to you. I hope we can do it again sometime. Really do appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thank you, my man. Appreciate you. That's Rob Collins from Fox 4 KC talking all things Chiefs. And they're going to be sweating it up. We're going to be sweating it out, man. I'm telling you, the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, once we get out there uh, for the Raiders, for their training camp, man, it is going to be on and popping. No doubt about it. We know how hot it's going to get out there. Even though they're going to be practicing early, we know how hot it's going to get out there. It's still hot. Even today, like I was, you know, when sometimes you think that it's colder in your house and then you step outside, I wore a jacket outside and because it, it's seven in the morning. I was like, what am I doing? Yeah, I don't know what you were doing. Yeah. It was still at seven in the morning. It was like, what, 90? Exactly. <laughs> Took it off immediately. <laughs> right. I, was, I don't know what you were thinking. Your jacket didn't know what you were thinking. Your jacket's probably ready, like, what? Like, man, I'm a little cold in the house. You I don't know? know how cold you keep your house. Hey, man, what do you be- keep it at? No, it was probably only like in the mid seventies. What's up? I'm about to say, man. Like Seventy five, yeah. But, okay, you know, I'm about to say because. But I, like, I also sleep with a fan on, you know. So yeah, so I got do the we. Fan, I got the fan like blowing right at no, me. No, no, we do too. But I've never in any point said, "Oh man, this house is so cold." I just never done that. Now I don't have it super cold though. I people think that I keep my AC too high, and I'm like, no. If you go outside, it's 110, 77 feels great, right? I just like, you know, it was just a little jacket, man. All right. I just Early hey, in the when you, It bothered me when you said that you were cold this morning. I'm like, how in the hell were you cold? What did you, what, what, what were you doing? You sound like, sound like a little kid that got the AC blasting, got the fan on you, and then you're like huddled up in a blanket talking about it's so cold. Well, turn, turn some of that stuff off. It's a little cold in here right now. <laughs> That's a fact. <laughs> that is a fact. It is always cold in this damn studio. And I've realized now it doesn't matter what studio you're in, what country you're in, what state you're in, it does not matter. I thought it was just the, the radio station that I used to be at in Central Texas because it was always cold, right? It was colder than Christmas there all the time. I don't know what the reason it was. I thought they were trying to freeze me out. Now I realize it's not a me thing. It's a, it's a radio station thing. It's always cold. And I get it. We got equipment. But damn. It's always got to be this cold. 3.43 is the time. We'll come back. Close out hour number two. This is Rare Nation Radio 920. That was another edition of Training Camp Two-A-Days on Raider Nation Radio 920. Hey, Raider Nation. This is Bruce Buffer, and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. Coming up at the top of the hour, Jeremy Fowler from ESPN put out a piece on the .com. Top 10 running backs, according to 50 executives, coaches, players, scouts. We talked all things quarterbacks on yesterday's show. Derek Carr was an honorable mention. Where will running back Josh Jacobs come in? We'll talk about that coming up at the top of the hour at 4 o'clock. We also have cover three NFL news and notes of the day. Whatever's going on around the league, we'll have that around 4.30, including Nikhil Harry. He was uh, traded from the New England Patriots to the Chicago Bears. He was a guy that I know a lot of Raider Nation was kind of looking at and paying attention to, wondering, hey, I wonder if he gets released, if the Raiders would be interested in picking him him up. But uh, he, in fact, has been traded from the Patriots to the Chicago Bears. And uh, Josina Anderson puts out there he's been traded to the Bears, pending his physical for a 2024 seventh-round draft pick. So there you go. Nikhil Harry used to be a first-round pick. The Patriots grabbed him in in round number one. He just went for a 2024 seventh rounder. So, boy, talking about going from the penthouse to the outhouse, right? So maybe a change of scenery would be good for Nikhil Harry, but I remember I liked him coming out of college, and he just never was able to 
get things going. He was never able to really learn what he was supposed to do uh, in the NFL. He was banged up and injured uh, early on. Uh, he looked like he had all the tools. You know, he, again, he was a really good player in college, uh, was there being coached up by Herm Edwards, so you knew that he kind of already knew the, the NFL style since uh, Herm Edwards was a former NFL coach, kind of uh, had a good feeling about him, but he just never was able to latch on in New England. Now he's on his way to Chicago. Again, maybe a, a change of scenery will be good for him. So uh, we'll talk all things NFL news and notes coming up at 4.30. But wanted to get back to the conversation we were having after uh, seeing Richard Jefferson and what he was able to do last night at Summer League, and he was an official for one quarter. Thought we'd throw out the question there to you about what you would want to do. Put your... Put yourself in someone else's shoes for for a moment in sports just to see what it's like on the other side. What would that job be? Uh, for myself, I said I'd like to be a play caller. think that it would be cool to get a drive or two and just try to test out my chops to see what I can do when everything was, hey, it's got to go quick, 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 quick. What are you waiting for, Q? What's this pause that you're doing? What's this pause? Keep coming. We need to play. We need to play. What are you doing? Call timeout. I need a timeout. What do we call timeout for? I don't know what play to call. <laughs> I just don't know. <laughs> I couldn't decide. Everybody go deep. You know, <laughs> just ask a silly question. What do you guys seeing up top? Right, right, right. Hey, man. Hey, DC. What's, what's the defense looking like? Uh, well, it's kind of the defense we practiced. You know, four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. What do you think we should do? Um, I think we should run this route here. Yep. That. that you know what? I was thinking that exact thing. <laughs> Let's go ahead and do that. DC, just go into two-minute mode. Just go ahead and go. How about that? How about that? That's up-tempo. That's that's what I would call. If <laughs> yeah. I was the play caller, I'd be like, tempo, tempo, tempo. Let's go. Let's go. Tempo, tempo, tempo. No huddle. No huddle. Let's go. Keep the defense on their heels. What are we running, Q? I don't know. Just go fast with it. It's so funny because so many people say that when the Raiders, when they make all those fourth-quarter comebacks, right. but why weren't they calling those plays at the beginning of the game? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's so It's so easy to make those calls. When you're on the sideline, it's so easy to make those calls when you're in the press box. It's so easy to say that when you're at home watching on TV. Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? I would have done this. I would have done that. Oh, that he's been killing that guy all day. Call, you know, call the play to him. So much goes into that. So that would be what I'd want to do. And I'll tell you right now, I'd go tempo. <laughs> That's my number one play. No huddles needed. No huddles needed. I'm going to treat it like college. Look at me. Look at me. Let's go. I got my flashcards out. Yeah. You know. <laughs> That would be me. I'm just saying. You want to be a scout. Yeah, just a scout because um, was it Sir Risky Ray who said he wants to be the GM? Yeah, yeah. That's a little too much pressure making that's, all hey, the decisions. That's way too exactly. Hey, man. That's a lot of ramifications if you get it wrong, brother. Yeah, just let me be in charge of one pick because I also want to see – Am I evaluating the talent? Because anybody, like, you could do the trade machine and say, like, oh, the salaries match up. Let me get that player for this player, you know, just by looking at the numbers and seeing if it could work out. But let me see if I can evaluate talent because I think that a lot of us fans, we all like to say we know who's going to be good when you're watching that when you're watching the college ball. How was this guy a first round pick? A right. lot of people were laughing at the Patriots. They take a guy from UT Chattanooga and it's like, how do you take this guy in the first round? Well, obviously they see something. So are my eyes deceiving me? Do I know what I'm talking about when I think somebody's good? Right. So we we would love to hear from you. What would be the one position, one one job that you'd like to do in sports just to just to taste it, just to see what it would be like, you know, just to say that you did that one time and you know what that person's going through. It could be any job. We're just having a little bit of fun again. We're kind of taking this off the off of what Richard Jefferson was able to do uh, last night at Summer League as he was an official for one quarter of that game. And, man, I think he got thrown into the fire and realized what it was all about. 
Uh, we got another text on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R from Sir Whiskey Ray. Q&D, the position that I'd love to be in and have the opportunity to shine would be the soccer player who kicks the penalty shot in the World Cup to win it all. That'd be kind of cool. But would you like to be the soccer player not knowing that you're going to make it? <laughs> you know what I mean? How about the guy that's like, okay, hey, man, this is the last kick. If you, if you make it, we win. If not, we don't. We're out. It's going to be a loss. That's a lot of pressure right there. I don't know if I'd want to be that guy. Or what about the, what about the official in soccer that's got to determine all the flopping? Like I, Red I, card, yellow card? I, you know, I'd like to be that guy one time. When you see someone just throw themselves down, I just walk by and say, get your ass up, dog. We saw you throw yourself on the ground. You know you ain't hurt. Man, get that spray away. What's that spray doing anyway? Man, get off the field. He ain't hurt. Get up. It's like when your kid falls, and then they look at you, and then you're like, you don't really react, and then they want to start crying. It's like, you ain't even hurt, man. You're all right. I want some sympathy. Uh, no one else does that, just me? <laughs> <laughs> Little Q's like, yeah, you big old meanie. <laughs> you know what? When I was down at the draft, though, I saw so many kids towards the end of the day. You right. know, it's like, you know, it's about 5, 6, 7 o'clock. People are starting to leave the draft. Right. So many kids with the hands up in the air. Right. Pick me up. Exactly. And parents just looking at them. Nah, nah, man. You walk. You walk, man. You're all right. You got legs. Get on. Get on. Now, I don't know how many, I don't know what, what, I don't know. Someone did that. One of the kids around the house one day did, did that. They started, uh, started crying for no reason. I think it was little Bell's son, little Carter. It was like four. I think he turned four the other day, but like he just cried for no reason. Right. And uh, they're like, Oh, what's wrong with that? I was like, nothing's wrong with that boy. He just cried for no reason. It's like his daddy, man. He's soft. <laughs> it's got his, <laughs> yeah. it's got his daddy's tendencies, man. The boy's just soft. He's just crying for no reason. I was wondering where it was going. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I used to wear this dude out. This dude's name is Christian, right? And, and in Texas, everyone knows who Christian is, right? He's the he's the guy that, that Q don't like. You know, so I always I'd go on the radio all the time and talk how bad about this dude, you know, because he was. He's 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 the worst. He's one of those guys, Damon. You know me. And I, I don't know how you're I don't know I don't if you're know, joking or not. No, I'm, I'm dead ass serious. I'm dead ass serious. I don't mean to derail the show, but you know me very well. I'm that guy who, if your work ethic sucks, I it, it irritates me, right? You know that for a fact that when your work ethic sucks, it irritates me. So this dude goes and gets Little Bell pregnant, right? Little Bell's obviously one of our kids. And he's like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I have this business. I have that. This is one of those dudes that quits their job all the time, right? Oh, wow, that job. I was working too hard there, but I've got to go do this job, and I'm going to go do that. I was like, well, just do anything. Like, do something. I mean, anything. I don't care what job. I don't care if you're pumping gas. Just do it good and consistently. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, and so this is what this dude told me. And I'm, like, putting all his business in the street. That's fine. He, look, this mm-hmm. dude started out, he was, like, working at the gas company. Then, oh, that made my back hurt, so I'm going to quit. Okay, fine. Then he was, you know, then he was, uh, then what was, oh, then he was going to move to Oklahoma, and he was going to flip houses. And I was like, you don't have a work ethic bone in your body. How are you going to flip anything? Like, you can't even flip someone off. Like, that's how lazy you are. How are you going to flip anything? Oh, no, I'm going to flip houses, Q. I was like, okay, cool. That obviously didn't last. Then, while he was going to move to Oklahoma, he was going to start selling weed. Not, not illegally, but in, you know, in, in dispensaries. I guess that was the proper way to say it, dispensaries. Whatever. He, so that was his other job. He didn't do none of those. Then all of a sudden he said he was going to get an LLC and he was going to become a businessman. And I was like, do you have no business, man? <laughs> like, you, you can't be that guy either. Those are those three magic letters, though. People think that that means. That means that they're going to be rich. I was like, you have to work. 
Businesses don't work if you don't if if you don't put no work behind it. Laziest dude ever, ever. So then one time he tried to come over and he tried to argue sports with me. He wanted to get into a debate, so he wanted to talk about To. And so he started talking about To is not a Hall of Famer. And I was like, wait a minute, dude, you are the laziest cat in the world. Don't tell me about a dude who was in the Super Bowl on a broken leg. You know what I mean? Like he's out there working. You can't even go to the damn gas factory and work. I'm totally dogging him, putting all his business through. I don't care. And on top of that, to make it all worse, and then I'll wrap it up on Christian. To make it all the worst, he will. He's the guy who, like on Veterans Day, it's like, oh man, I get a discount today because you know he was a veteran. But he like never did anything. Like he got to the 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 military and he was gonna go through boot camp and never did any of that. Like nothing. Like he had a he didn't even have a cup of coffee in the military. So I always salute the military because I know all the. I know all the sacrifices they make, but let me tell you one cat that never made any sacrifices, but tries to, tries to, uh, you know, he tries to ride that, that wave. Oh, I did that. I did that. No, you didn't. You did nothing. You can't even spell military. Right. I mean, like, it's just, ah, (laughs) anyway, that's the baby daddy story. That's the story of the baby daddy. There's a reason why he's a baby daddy because he's lazy. 358 is the time. We'll come back. We'll take your calls and texts. This is Rare Nation Radio 920.